Welcome to the Self Love Podcast, the show that helps crack open your heart and inspire a deeper regard for your own well-being and happiness. Proudly brought to you by 28 Essentials, here's your host, the gorgeous Kim Morrison. Hey guys, welcome to this week's Self Love Podcast. Our quickie this week is a pretty important topic actually. It's something that I get asked a lot and particularly being an aromatherapist for almost 30 years now, it is a question that certainly has a lot of confusion and a lot of conflicting information about. And that is the topic of essential oils and ingestion. Should we swallow them, put them in our drinks, eat them? What is the real answer here? And I think the question is really an important one, but also the answer can be answered both no and yes. So here's some information that I thought you might find interesting in me sharing with you today so that hopefully your knowledge going forward will always treat the aromatherapy world, the essential oil world, with the utmost respect. Now, we know the ingestion of essential oils, as I said, is probably you know, one of the most controversial topics, particularly amongst users and sellers and distributors of essential oils. Also, if you know people that are real typical aromatherapy enthusiasts and even practitioners. And it's uh, it's complex because it's controversial, but also because many people would say it's more known when you're ingesting essential oils as aromatic medicine and that the average enthusiast or practitioner has not actually studied aromatic medicine in depth. In the past, people have been taught that no, we do not ingest essential oils, but we've also learned a lot since then. And now the answer to the question, as I've mentioned, is way more complex. In short, as said, yes, we can ingest essential oils. But the question really is about whether or not you should and whether or not it's safe. Now, did you know that you're most likely already ingesting essential oils daily? It's true. They're mainly processed. I think over 70% of the industry is Uh, created because of the food and flavoring industry to help enhance the flavor in products. And what we're talking about here, though, is the use of essential oils for health and well-being at home. What I want to really acknowledge is whether or not it's safe, effective, and the reasons behind it all. Now, you may or may not know this, but one drop of lemon essential oil is not equivalent to one drop of lemon juice or lemon extract nor is one drop of lemon essential oil in water a necessarily safe approach. Essential oils and water do not mix, so you are not diluting your oils by adding them to water. You would be drinking them neat, which is the equivalent to drinking them straight from the bottle. And I have to say, my research shows me to date that that is an unsafe thing to do. Now, there's a time and place for ingestion. For the home user, though, the time and place should be making the time to see an appropriately qualified practitioner and that they can prepare a remedy for you based on your individual needs. It may or may not include the ingestion of essential oils depending on the goals and objectives of the aromatherapy consultation. But what about essential oils and food preparations? Can this be done? Again, in short, the answer is yes. But I just want to delve a little deeper here. There are several key points we need to understand and learn before we consider the safety. Potency, purity, and grass, which is generally regarded as safe status, will be addressed here. 
But please note that there is much more to know about this subject, such as understanding the biology, pharmacology, pharmacokinetics, and pharmacodynamics, to name a few. Essential potency is actually profound. Each drop of essential oil has been created from a large volume of plant matter. This means it takes huge amounts of raw material to create, and yes, this is the process of distillation primarily, one bottle of essential oil. It is often quoted by a number of different sources that it takes between 30 to 50 roses to produce a single drop. One uh, statistic I was told is that it takes a ton of rose petals to fill a 10 ml bottle and that's in bulk. And we call this essential oil the yield. Now, the yield of essential oil from each plant can be differ different, and it can differ vastly. After all, not all plants yield up the same amount of essential oil. Growing conditions, time of year, harvesting, skill, and knowledge of the distiller all play a part in how much oil is actually distilled from each plant. To produce a kilogram of lavender, for example, takes approximately 120 kilograms of material. To produce Melissa oil, it can take 6,000 6, kilograms of plant matter to produce the same one kilogram of essential oil. But why does knowing the yield matter? Well, it simply highlights to us that a lot of raw material is needed to produce our oils, meaning they're extremely potent which in turn means that one drop of oil can actually mean that it has several, if not lots of lemons in it or hundreds of grams of leaves and flowers in it. When was the last time you used more than two whole lemons and the rind and everything in actually have it in a glass of water? Or when was the last time you used several bunches of basil leaves just in one dish? Put it simply, we do not use the same amount of raw material. Then it comes down to purity. Whether we're diffusing essential oils or putting them on our skin or even ingesting them, we need to be under no doubt about their purity, that it is exactly what they purport to be. For most people, this is not easy to determine as there are so many variables. Therefore, the best way to determine your oils are what they say is to develop a good relationship with the supplier or company. They should be able to, if you ask, provide them with a GC, a gas chromatograph, or gas chromatograph and mass spectrometry reports. These are an analytical method that helps us to identify the different substances within a sample. Now, they're not easy reports to read and understand, but they do help aromatherapists, chemists, and educators determine if the oil meets the recognized standards. Essentially, a gas chromatograph or mass spectrometry report is like the fingerprint of that plant or product to the particular batch of distilled oil it came from. Each oil will vary due to the climate it's grown in, the conditions it's grown in, as well as many other factors. However, the oil should still be a representative of every other oil produced of that species. Now, the company you purchase from should also be able to verify the plant botanical species, that is that lavender used is the right one and not blended with other subspecies of lavender or lavender chemical constituents. The average purchaser of essential oils is not trained in this, so it really is up to the company that you're purchasing from to determine this for you. In evaluating purity, you also use a preferred supplier that work with their suppliers and distillation experts to verify that the correct distillation techniques were employed. 
before any of us that produce and sell essential oils, we must make sure that who we purchase our oils from, that they've been visually inspected and they have actually tested the sample. They will do an odour evaluation as well as they've trained their noses to differentiate the aroma chemicals. When smelling the oil, they will also be evaluating its freshness and its vibrancy. And having visited a number of distillers in my lifetime, I have to say when you meet the person that knows a lot about that oil, their nose is worth its weight in gold. A little bit like the wine industry, the purveyors of amazing wine understand the aromatic substances that make up those particular wines, which give it its flavor, its distinct value, etc., Purity, though, is much more than people understand, and that is why you need to develop a good relationship with your preferred supplier, as you're placing a lot of trust in them, their abilities, and their processes. And the further away you get from the supplier of your essential oils, if you're not hearing from the person who's manufacturing them, selling them, and bottling them, as in maybe the head of the company or someone who is actually the knowledgeable person of that company, it can be very hard to have that information diluted. <clears throat> Excuse me. Many essential oils have been designated grass status, you know, the generally regarded as safe status, meaning that they are regarded for their intended and purposes. But the intended purpose component is the part that is generally forgotten by those who just throw this term around. Essential oils are mostly used as food additives and flavorings, and they're considered to be generally recognized as safe when used in accordance with good manufacturing practices. But as we find out that many oils just do not cut the grass, so to speak, and I'm really, I really want to make this clear here just how important it is to know that the oils you're willing to put into your mouth, I personally think, should at least have organic status. But let's go a little bit deeper on this. The effect on the gut microbiome is something that I personally, even though I'm not an expert chemist in understanding exactly how the oils are going to affect us, my knowledge to date shows that there is evidence to suggest that essential oils can positively influence the gut microbiome, which is promising. However, there's many studies that have been conducted using essential constituents, not whole oils, and were either conducted in vitro on a petri dish or on animals. We do know that there are commercially available preparations that use peppermint oil, for an example, to help bacteria due to the irritable bowel syndrome. The difference between these commercially made products and a do-it-yourself-at-home product is that they're created in clean conditions, maybe there's better manufacturing processes, and follow and maintain uh, what is regarded as professional in that industry, as well as quality assurance standards followed by and adhered to. These are made to the exact measurement, usually by weight and not drops. It is a safer option to use the herb or plant extract rather than the essential oil at this stage, whilst the jury is out on all of this information. And you know, when I realize the more research that is happening around the gut microbiome, we know it is made up of trillions of bacteria. And one of the most amazing qualities of essential oils is that they have a real good level of antibacterial quality within them. And that's all essential oils to a lesser or greater degree. Now, if you're taking lemon oil in a glass of water, therefore it hasn't been um, diluted into that water, you're taking a, a globule, globules of lemon oil straight to the gut. 
And if they're antibacterial in the way that we know that they can be, and yet the gut is made up of trillions of bacteria, I just, I just wonder, I'm curious, is that the best thing to be doing? Now, most essential oils that are produced for the cosmetic and food industries are not produced for the health or healing professions. As I said, over 70% of the essential oil industry is regarded for the cosmetic and food industries. Essential oils are used to flavor thousands of food products throughout the world. You've already been ingesting essential oils each and every day via these products. However, and it is a big however, the products are using the oils in minute amounts. And when we work out the ratio, they're being used in a parts per million. That is the biggest difference between ingestion and food flavoring. The dosage is completely different. One drop of essential oil in water or a capsule compared with one drop of essential oil in a cake that can be eaten by several people. If I cut up the cake into 12 pieces, each person may be lucky to get a twelfth of a drop of the oil, if that. And if heat has been used to prepare the cake, then a lot of it would have evaporated. Essential oils are highly volatile, meaning they can evaporate readily. And each slice of cake will have considerably less than that single drop. My suggestion is that with any food flavoring, that there is no more than four drops per recipe that's up to feeding four to six or more people. I certainly do not advocate putting 20 drops of peppermint oil into a cake, a cake. And I certainly would urge you to really consider whether or not it's necessary to actually ingest lemon oil, particularly as an example in the morning. My idea is why not cut up the lemon and squeeze the lemon directly into the glass and drink it from the pot, the plant, the source that it came from. That way you won't want to eat too much and you also will have a much better effect and have a really beautiful alkalizing effect onto your gut microbiome and the gut itself. So I know this topic is huge, guys, and I know it's something that is confusing, and I know there's going to be a lot of people that may even listen to this and agree or disagree with what I'm saying. I guess where I'm coming from is to err on the side of caution. Read your information. Make sure that you really do understand the quality and the dosage of what it means to eat essential oils and flavorings as opposed to putting drops into glasses of water or into smoothies, etc. Be mindful that less is always best. So I guess in summary, the ingestion of essential oils is not really, really shouldn't be considered for the home user, but it is something that should be done with the assistance of an appropriately trained professional. And if you have any questions about this topic, then please speak with your favorite aromatherapy professional, but also be mindful not all aromatherapy practitioners are trained to understand aromatic medicines such as ingestion of essential oils. I hope you've enjoyed this week's self-love podcast. I know it's a very big topic and I could have gone into lots more information. And if you do want a little bit more, then one of my favorite books is Robert, Tazer- T- Robert Tizeran's book, um, All Around His Essential Oil Safety Book. And I really do recommend if this is something you want to investigate further, then make sure you do it with a good amount of research. 
Well, I hope you've enjoyed that, guys. Please take care. Look after yourselves. Love your essential oils up. But again, be mindful when using them in recipes, less is best. Make sure there's always a fat present in the recipes. So if you're making a smoothie and you want to put one drop of spearmint into a smoothie that you're making for the family, let's say it's a beautiful chocolate cacao spearmint smoothie, then one to two drops max for four people. But make sure that that smoothie has got some sort of fat, the almond milk, the cacao butter, the coconut oil, the coconut yogurt, whatever it is that you use in that smoothie. When an oil has a fat to be emulsified in, it makes it way, way better for um, its dilution. So guys, look forward to your comments. Go to thewellnesscouch.com forward slash the self-love podcast, or you can go to Kim Morrison Training on Facebook or my Instagram page, Kim Morrison and the number 28. And I look forward, if you'd like to even share some of your favorite recipes where you've used essential oils, organic essential oils, hopefully safely and effectively for you and your beautiful, precious family and friends. Take care now. Thanks for listening to the Self Love Podcast. Be sure to write a review and share the love with your friends and family. And head over and visit Kim and her team at 28.com. That's the word 20 and the number 8.com. Take good care. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.